Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra, and I'm calling in from beautiful New York City. The weather's starting to get a little cool, and I can't think of a better place to spend my time on a nice fall day than here with you all. If you're coming back for a repeat time, welcome back. If you're coming here for the first time, welcome anew. You have stumbled upon a podcast that's all about gratitude, empathy, and helping great leaders tell the stories of how they got to where they are today in their lives. If you look through the episode archives, you'll see phenomenal leaders from Fortune 50 CEOs, Academy Award winners, Super Bowl champions, Hall of Fame athletes, and more. And the thing they all have in common is that they walk through this life with a great posture of otherness. The humility to acknowledge that they didn't get to where they are today without the help of others. The acknowledgement that you've received something of benefit or value from others. That is the true meaning of life. And when you give that back or pay it forward authentically, that is gratitude. We're here to talk about that today. Now, if you haven't hit the subscribe button, we certainly invite you to do so right now. You're going to hear some things that you might want to share with others. And if you feel so inclined, we encourage you to share this episode with your friends. Today is going to be an awesome conversation. Why? Because my guest today had a bowl of pasta sauce last night in my honor. Today, we have Karen Manja. You might recognize that word manja. That's actually her last name, but in Italian, it means to eat. So she's already a swell, believing person. Today, we're talking about her new book, Success from Anywhere. She's the author of four books, four bestseller books. The last three have been published by Wiley, the go-to leader in organizational behavior and research and design. See, Karen is one of the most sought-after keynote speakers in the world, having shared her thought leadership with, get this, over 10,000 organizations. She's the Vice President of Customer and Market Insights at Salesforce. Yeah, that Salesforce. She devotes her time to racial equality, Justice Task Force. She's all about philanthropy. She's all about being a woman of and for the people. And today, we're talking about her wonderful insights. Counterintuitive, I might say. Industry-shattering insights. The great playbook on how to help you find success from anywhere and live a life of meaning, connection, and purpose. We were introduced by my dear friend Charlie Fusco, one of the world's great leaders in the marketing 
and talent development space. I can't think more highly of Charlie's work, and we encourage you to check her out after this podcast as well. But without further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I feel like I should say Buena Sera or, you know, something Italian to get us kicked hey, off. <laughs> that works. Buona Sera, Signorina, Buona Sera. <laughs> Anyways, I'm goofy like that. So, Karen, we're going to talk about your book today. And in order to set the scene for the book, we have to first start by asking our signature gratitude question. If you're new to this podcast today, a little backstory is that we've used this signature gratitude question to spark over 500,000 relationships at our virtual or in-person gratitude experiences in the last six years. And we find that it's the greatest starting or opener question we've ever been around. So we've asked it on podcasts, we've asked it our experiences, and I ask Karen it right now. Karen, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be? That would be one of my college professors. Um, his name is Dr. Joe Mashevitz. So picture another last name that's difficult to spell and to pronounce. And what strikes me is that when I walked into the class he was teaching, it happened to be a management class in the broadcast telecommunications program. You know, I, I thought that I would, you know, maybe learn some concepts that would help me one day if I ever became a manager, or, you know, maybe, maybe I would learn stuff to pass the tests, right. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe get a good grade in the class. And what I discovered in that class from, from him uh, has really changed my life because he is kind of this inside voice uh, that talks to me in the best way all the time about being my authentic self and about staying true to what matters most. And <laughs> it, it occurs to me as we're having this conversation, I mean, I might have been either the best student or the worst student because I, I'm still in contact with him, you know, almost every day. So I don't know if I'm still in the class, maybe it never concluded, uh, or I haven't learned what I need to learn yet. And, and as we're talking about this, what I realize is, I'm not certain that I have ever just directly said to him in very plain terms how much I appreciate him and what he's taught me and how he has this magical ability to just show up. It's like he senses in the universe when he gets up in the morning, like you're getting off track. You know, you're getting overcommitted. You're getting burnt out. You're li- you're living someone else's definition of success. And I'll get these little messages from him, um, and the the it'll be a text maybe, and it will say, uh, "KM JM, take good care of you today. Are you making room to breathe?" And I'm like, "How does he know I needed to hear that?" But as I think about, you know, we were just <laughs> talking about that story of my first book uh, when I was kind of developing the concept for 
success, what became success with less, I was, was meeting with an agency to try to kind of develop the concept and figure out what it could be because I had started with something uh, called powerful pauses. I mean, he drove from another town to sit with this agency with me and brainstorm ideas. I didn't, I didn't pay him for that. Right. I mean, he was just like, it's cool. You know, we're, we're good. Let's do this. And I mean, I can, I can remember, I guess as, as I think about it now, I can see myself in my mind's eye, like I'm sitting in his office uh, and he is, he has such a wonderful sense of humor. His office was always full of all these little like toys and gadgets and, you know, interesting sayings and kind of the signature bowl of candy. And I can see myself, I'm sitting in a chair in his office and I'm picking out of the candy bowl, only the orange colored and flavored things for whatever reason that was apparently appealing to me at this time. And I'm saying to him pretty nonchalantly, like, I think I'm going to call off my, my wedding. <laughs> I was in college. I'm getting ready to get married. And I mean, he has like no reaction. He just goes, okay, that's cool. I mean, that was it. It was just, and then you kind of check in. How, how are we doing? How are we doing with our life? And I think about these pivotal moments in my life where he's just this voice of reason. And I can remember him saying to me when I was at a real crossroads in my life and thinking that I, I wanted to realign some things and maybe go in a new direction. And I, I just remember him looking at me and just taking a deep breath and saying, do you think that you are living in a dress rehearsal? This is a one act play called your life. And I guess my question to you is what, what kind of role do you want to play? You don't get to do this again. Whoa, you are either the worst or the best student that he's ever had, because <laughs> I don't know what kind of teacher makes that kind of lifelong commitment to someone. You know it, what it sounds like is that for him, to quote your book, work might not even feel like work to him. It sounds like he just loves being of service so much. And it sounds like, as you write in your book, that winning or success or this playbook, it's not a universal one-size-fits-all. Everybody's got to define what that winning or that game or that lifestyle looks like. And it seems like he got to define his way of having an impact on people in a very unique way, a way that would keep him connected to them, you, for their entire life. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And as I was listening to you sort of, sort of break that down and really go a little bit deeper with that, I mean, what shows up for me is what would happen if we could all be somebody's Dr. Joe? You know, I mean, what might change if we invested in even one person more deeply? You know, and, and I mean, I talk about this in, in the book. I mean, success happens from the inside out. And, and that can be 
you know, success at a goal that you set for yourself, that can be the success of transforming the culture of a team or an organization. Success is really success comes from the inside out. And yet, even along the way, if we're committed to doing the work and we're doing the work and trying to make changes, there is something so powerful and so motivating about knowing that you've got even one person in your corner who is deeply advocating for you and who is in the most caring way guiding you back to yourself. I mean, to your point, to your definition of success. I mean, not somebody else's, yours. I mean, that's, that is the basis. That is the genesis of how to live a meaningful life, I think, is knowing what success means to you and stripping away the obligations that are no longer in service of that. Yeah. You know, I love the quote in your book where you talk about a thoughtful connection to who you are is where we experience true success, right? That's pretty counterintuitive. You saying that structure is not the source of success. Peak performance is not a prescription. It's what you have to create by being authentically connected to yourself. That's got to be pretty freeing for a lot of our listeners to hear is that you don't have to belong to anybody else's structure. If you want to win at life, you can design your own game by defining, designing, and delivering according to your own principles. When did you realize, I mean, it's it's pretty counterintuitive for you to be a vice president at one of the world's most successful and structured companies, but to then say, success is defined by an authentic connection to who you are. When did you first realize that? <laughs> I think that's a lesson that I've learned and maybe relearned over time. And a, a moment that stands out to me is, you know, thinking along the, the journey of my life, I was at a point where I had moved from, from one company to another one and was doing very well. And being acknowledged for, I think in so many ways, what we, what we might define as being successful, right? You know, more title, more pay, more responsibilities, uh, serving on more boards in the community. And, you know, what I had kind of learned or I thought I had discovered about this formula for success along the way was, <laughs> I think what we all buy into from time to time, it's like, you have to do more to have more to be more. And then that will sum up to success. And, <laughs> right. I mean, and I remember the day I went to pick up my mobile phone to call my brother. And for some context uh, for the listeners, I have one brother and I speak to him every single week. I picked up my mobile phone. I was just over 30 years old. I went to phone him and I could not remember his name. Through process of elimination, I deduced we had the same last name. And so I started filtering that way. And, you know, we use this phrase from time to time, right? Like about a moment that gave you pause, right? Like it gave me pause. And usually it's because something sort of catastrophic happens to us that gets our attention in a very big and unforgettable, impossible to ignore kind of a way. And for me, that was the moment. And it, 
wasn't because there weren't other little symptoms and signs along the way that I was getting off course and maybe not doing so well. That was such an attention getting moment. I could no longer buy into the story that I was fine. You know how we like to say that? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. And that became a moment where I went on a long journey called major medical of multiple years of being chronically misdiagnosed and my hair fell out, my skin turned gray. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed color. And here was the shocking moment truly of all that besides certainly feeling helpless and hopeless and terrified, you know, with wondering what was wrong and would I ever feel better? What was somewhat more terrifying to me than that was I could no longer run my own formula for success. I mean, I literally could not do more. I literally could not say yes to anything else. And I thought, oh my gosh, what's, you know, what's going to become of me? Will I become unemployed? Right. I mean, how is this going to turn out? I certainly needed the health insurance at that time. Let's be honest. That moment was a turning point for me to realize how critical it is to define success on your terms. Because what I came to understand at that moment was success for me meant being healthy enough to enjoy my life. And having clarity that that was how I defined success made it easy for the first time in my life to say no to any obligation that really didn't help align with that definition of success. And for some perspective, it took three and a half years to get correctly diagnosed, and then uh, about another five plus years to get back to a com- completely clean bill of health. And and uh, you know, along that journey, if you looked at my my LinkedIn profile, or I guess the LinkedIn profile of my life, it would look like I was very successful, had it all together, and had it all figured out. And that's one of the reasons that I share these stories is. I mean, many people could have looked at my life at that point and by any number of measures, you know, my my title, my accomplishments, my access would have said, wow, she's so successful. If only I can do what she does, I'll be successful too. I didn't feel successful at all. I mean, I was failing at what matters most, which was being healthy and taking great care of myself. And so what, what I realize and what I'm reminded of time and time again is success is about more, but it's not about the more we think success is more of what matters. Success is more of what matters. You know, it's interesting. You, you italicized a a word in your book and that word is joy. And you have found, you know, through the pandemic that there are many things that might bring you joy. Uh, taking your four-year-old self to tap dancing that's healed the soul. Healed the soul. Uh, inviting fun into your world heals the soul. But the question I have to ask you is, in your book you also write about resilience. And you write about how it's the tough times they become an opportunity to reconnect with the source of strength, resilience, and ultimately new ideas. So how, if someone's listening to this, do they realize that it's all right for your eyes to change colors, 
it's all right for you to go through a mysterious illness, doctors baffled by the cause, loss of energy, maybe get fired by a job you didn't. But how do people know in the moment if something's happening to them like that right now, that there's opportunity on the other side, that a shift in perspective will set them free, and that just going from a progressive tolerance to a progressive consciousness requires giving gratitude to the obstacles you've overcome. Because that's a that takes strength and resilience. But how do you know it in the moment that this is going to be the thing that you'll be positively known for? <laughs> well, you know, as I think about it, even in those most hopeless moments, you know, of, of despair, I mean, when you're in the valley of despair and we all are there from time to time, pausing to be grateful helps. And I'll give you, you know, an example. I was grateful at that point to have a job where I had medical insurance. I was grateful. I had a, a couple of friends who were willing to help refer me down a different path to get some answers, right? There, there's always a moment to be grateful for it. What I like to think about though, is what else could this be, right? What is the message in this moment, right? And, you know, one of the, I don't know. I, I think we all have these these stories that we tell ourselves sometimes for better or for worse. And we believe because we're the ones telling ourselves these stories that they must be absolutely true. And I found, you know, for for all of your listeners and and you know, I guess Brene Brown would say research or heal thyself. So this is probably as much a message to myself as well, is just this reminder um, that I come back to time and time again about two this two-word story that we tell ourselves that is very damaging and keeps us trapped in those very difficult valley of despair times. And it's by now. I mean, have you ever thought this to yourself? Like I should, you know, whatever, I should be dating someone by now. I should be promoted by now. I should be out of this crisis by now. The pandemic should be over by now. We should be back to normal by now. And I think about that, that by now is really a tagline for, for suffering and not for success. And when we can let go of that by now, like the thought that success or progress is the result of this perfectly executed linear plan, what happens is new choices show up. And when new choices show up and we get to choose differently, then we can start to create momentum in small steps that helps move us out of that place towards something different and I think when we use that that by now phrase, we're kind of punishing ourselves, right? It's like, I should have already figured this out, right? This should have already shown up for me. And it keeps us trapped in the place we're in that we don't want to be. And when we release that and, and, and try something different, maybe ask why not instead, we can create choices that help us move to a different place and to see some possibilities that we can't see when we're stuck in that mindset that something shouldn't be the way it is. I love that that reframe. I love the why not, right? The uh, the I mean, you literally talk about how why not are two words that can invite fun into your world. What's an example of that? Oh well, <laughs> this is funny. I was uh, before the pandemic. I I traveled quite a lot. I mean, flew about. 
200,000 plus miles per year yeah, for some perspective. <laughs> and when the, the lockdown happened, if you think back to that time, right, when the whole world came to a pause simultaneously, people would contact me and say, are you doing okay? I mean, you're not traveling. Are you doing okay? And I thought, I'm, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm sleeping in the same bed in the same time zone every night. I, this is sort of, I mean, not that I was happy for the reason, but I thought, well, this is sort of a different way to live than how I've been living. And I'm finding some upside in this. And so I had this thought because so many people kept asking me if I was okay, not traveling. And I, and I think what they were saying is having the variety and the fun and the adventures. And so I had this moment, this epiphany, and I thought, what would happen if I reimagined where I live as an all-inclusive resort and using only things that I already own, I would like stage and post to social media a series of the things that are happening at the all-inclusive resort. And at first I was like, that's crazy. And then I'm like, what if this gets out to like a bunch of work people? And, you know, I mean, you start saying like, no, oh, this isn't, is this professional, whatever it is, which usually is the opposite of having fun, by the way. Um, and I just thought I was like, why not? I am not even joking you when I say I staged a reenactment of the Kentucky Derby in my backyard uh, using a stick horse. I mean, the stick horse is wearing a mask. I'm dressed like a jockey. I have the stick horse like in my fence. I'm feeding it a carrot. I'm brushing it. Another one, I did a reenactment of the Indianapolis 500 using uh, Pinewood Derby cars that I had carved and little miniature people from a Sesame Street village when I was a child. I, and I mean, I'm talking, I acted out all the scenes I did, you know, like the reenacted the flyover at the Indianapolis 500 by creating a paper airplane and launching it off my balcony and taking a picture of it from the ground. It was to the degree that people would start contacting me on Wednesday, asking me what is going to be happening at the all-inclusive resort this weekend. It was fun. Oh, yes. I also did a whole football thing, right? I had a tailgate and, you know, that I'm being the coach throwing the red flag, you know. And the funniest part, I literally put on a football jersey and to replicate the shoulder pads, I rolled up towels and stuck them in there. And I mean, I had the gloves and the whole deal because, you know, those football players, they're always like pulling down on their jerseys and they have those like really mean looks on their faces, like harsh in their headshots. I recreated that, but it was difficult to get the shot because I was laughing so hard because I could see how huge my shoulders were with the towels in it at the corners of my eyes. So I, it took me a while to look somewhat fierce, but you know what? I was laughing at myself and I was trying to share a little joy and lighten up what was a very, very serious time. And, you know, I thought about that. I just did that to have a little fun, you know, to change it up, to let people know I was really okay not traveling, like I was doing fine. And it became this sort of community fun contribution aspect of, of really all of 2020 by the time it was said and done that just gave people permission to, to just for a moment suspend reality and join the belief uh, that, that things could be fun and light and carefree and joyful. And, and it, was, it was wonderful. It sounds like, well, first of all, it sounds like you're a really giddy person <laughs> and you love having fun. But what it sounds like is that you know, you mentioned the word fine, like, how are you doing not traveling to which you would reply fine in your book? I think you would call that uh, a characteristic of progressive tolerance. You were just kind of tolerant that you felt fine from not flying. 
But then when you started having all these goofy gizmos and escapades, you turned it into a characteristic of progressive consciousness where you actually tapped into at your deepest level your truth, your creativity, your love, your connection, where you realized the good that comes from play and connection in an expansive way. Tell me about that shift. We we all have these examples of something we tolerate that doesn't serve us. And that could be the toxic boss, the toxic relationship, you know, the treatment of someone around us, the 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 stories we're telling ourselves, the treatment of ourselves. And I, I think about the signs of progressive tolerance of when we start saying things like, well, it's not that bad, or you use the word fine. That's such a great example. It's like, well, it's not that bad. It's fine. Or, you know, the grass isn't always greener somewhere else, or, you know, you can't fight city hall. I mean, it's sort of these moments where, where we're saying, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to hang out here under the belief that it's not going to get better. And what typically happens over time is, you know, it's just like getting in a pool and it's freezing cold. You know, I share in the book, you know how kids just jump into a pool. It doesn't matter. I mean, there could be a thin layer of ice on top. They jump in, they're like, the water's great, get in. An adult goes toward that same pool and it's like, you know, a little bit at a time, you get the ice crystals on your bathing suit. You're like, what is this? Well, what happens? And after a while, you eventually work yourself into the into the pool. Well, did the temperature of the water change? No, your tolerance for it did. And that's typically what happens with these stories and scenarios and self-limiting beliefs that don't serve us. You know, we just tolerate them a little bit at a time. And then we normalize at that level. Then we go to another level. And almost always there is a moment of awakening or a day of reckoning. And it, it suddenly comes to our full consciousness. Oh my goodness, this is not okay. This is not working for me. This scenario, this belief, this relationship. And right then, there is this moment where there is a big temptation to give in to the shame or fear of, how did I get here? This isn't me, or I don't want to be here, or this isn't what I want my life to be like, or what I want to be known for. And if we can sit with and, and reckon with that and step into progressive consciousness, what that does is it puts us in a place of living in the present moment and choice is what's available in the present moment. You know, the choice to, to choose what success means to you, the choice to, you know, move from limited to limitless, the, the choice to try something new, the choice to begin again. And so I think about, you know, when we are conscious of what success means to us, when we are conscious of what matters most, when we are conscious of being, you know, human beings instead of human doings, what we activate is the opportunity to be right here, be in the moment and, and choose what's best for us as opposed to kind of hoping it will go away or hoping that someone else will deal with it or, you know, sort of numbly moving along with the it's not that bad. That ownership, that is, that is powerful. And to all our listeners that are hearing, you know, ownership can be something small. Ownership can be acknowledging what it is you can control and doing something about it. 
and also accepting what you can't control and not worrying about it. Ownership is giving yourself permission to pause, to find your truth, to adapt, to empathize with others. These kind of things that you own in your own locus of control is how you build this playbook. It's how you build this structure. Karen, I know we're starting to run out of time and it's been quite an honor having you for this conversation. I know we could talk for another couple hours. What are some last minute or closing phrases, tips, words that you can offer our listeners to close out on this great body of work that you've produced? You used a really important word there, which is permission. And if I think back to that, that Dr. Joe story, or, you know, sometimes what happens, you know, in coaching conversations that I have with people, what I find time and time again is we wait for someone else to grant us permission to do what we already know that we want or need to do for ourselves. And what I would like to say to everybody listening is permission granted. If you need to take a five minute breath, permission granted. If you need to take a vacation, permission granted. You need to do something to change your life, permission granted. The beauty is when you can grant yourself that permission to define success and access it on your terms and, and to take ownership, to reflect back what you said, that you have the power to grant yourself permission. The other, the other tool that I would share is if everything is important, then nothing is important. (laughs) And, you know, we all talk so much now about being burnt out and, you know, doing more with less and whatever that looks like. And when I find myself even now getting sucked into those moments where I I start feeling like every task and every meeting holds an equal level of importance, I like to step back and ask three challenge questions and and also a bonus question uh, if you're ready. So the first one is, does it have to be? Second, does it have to be me? Third, does it have to be me right now? And bonus question, especially if you work in an organization, does it have to be a meeting? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, did anybody wake up today and go, I've got tons of meetings all day today. And what is this Zoom everyone's been talking about? I can't wait to find out about it. You know, all all of these, you know, I offer all that to say, you know, there's when we Zoom out, you know, when we connect with what matters, when we zoom out from being so in the moment and rushing from task to task and meeting to meeting and really evaluate, does it have to be me? Does it have to be me? Does it have to be me right now? We often discover that the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And within that, right, there's a permission to choose differently about where and how you're spending your best time, energy, and effort. I remember that section in the book where you talk about meeting culture, where you talk about the actionable tips to creating 
more FaceTime in less time. We've got some great, great, great tips on how to say no in a world where everybody expects so much. You, I must compliment you. You ask a lot of really good questions in this book. There are many different um, points that you're trying to make that instead of making the point in the book, you teach us the right question to ask in order to answer it ourselves. And I think it's a great symbolism of the style of how you wrote this book. This book is a playbook, but this book won't rip you through you doing the hard work. This book will guide you to how to do the hard work yourself. She's not providing any cheat codes in this book. She's literally giving you the right questions to ask yourself to jumpstart your life. You may be sitting here listening to this saying, what the heck? She's an executive at a big company. She writes a book about doing things her way, but she's inside of a corporate system. What do I have to learn from her, huh? Nope. Here's what makes her successful within a big system is that she defines success so that she can show up to work every day and perform her best to serve each other in an empathetic way. That's what makes her so good. That's what makes her such a great leader. Great question asker great creator of safe space and knows that she shows up every day doing the work that she loves on her own terms. She knows how to say no. She knows how to be really efficient in setting meetings or bowing out of meetings or asking if I even need to be in that meeting. But it's from a place of power. So pick up that book. If you're in a period where you're searching for excellence, read the damn book and skip to the section on Tom Peters. If you're in a period of time where you're looking for a transition, pick up the book. If you're in a period where you've just gone through one of the most difficult life situations and you want the solution to get yourself out of it, pick up the damn book. The link to that book will be in the show notes below. Follow everything that Karen's doing. A, she's really good at it. But B, she does it with the right intention, with the right heart. And all of us are capable of being that person. We just have to uncover that truth, that goodness, that joy within. This book helps do that. So thanks for tuning in. You're showing up here today is the first step on making a positive change in the world around us. But as Karen says in her book, perspective without action means nothing. So if you heard something that you agree with here today, go out and act on it. Do something. Karen's proved it can be done. Yeah, people might laugh at you here and there, but be you. We thank you for coming. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, 
feel free to do so right now. Keep getting those notifications and tuning back in for more conversations with people like Karen on how they got to where they are today with the help of others by doing life the right way. So share this episode with your friend. Find Karen on LinkedIn. Email any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, and I'll pass them over to Karen for you. I hope you're having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore it, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.